Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is a podcast by, for, and about teachers. It's not a place where we discuss rigor or teaching methods or sell lesson plans. It's simply a safe space for teachers to share their stories, frustrations, and triumphs, and for our listeners to realize, episode after episode, that they're not alone. Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is sometimes funny, sometimes disturbing, but always honest. Welcome to Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod. Two teachers explore the realities of education. This week, we will be talking about your thoughts on the 2021-2022 school year. I'm Yo Miss. And I'm Miss B. How's it going? It's going very quiet here. Not, Not a whole lot of excitement going on. You know, we're sort of just going along, doing our thing. Although it's funny, like, even though I haven't taught for a couple of years now, I still have that like, oh, summer's coming. I have to like plan to clean my house or plan, you know, plan to do all these things that I usually didn't do. But like, I, I feel like I should be like doing big things, but then I'm like, no, I still work in July and August. So I can't, you know, how are you doing? I'm good. The last week of school, even though I'm not teaching still is crazy having kids, of course, mm. there's all the end of the year stuff and field day and picnic and teacher gifts and remembering which day to return your Chromebook and all that stuff. So I think I was just as excited for the end of school as when I was teaching. (laughs) Plus now I don't have to make that extra trip of dropping my kiddo off at the middle school, which means I can sleep in like maybe 20 minutes longer. So it really is summer vacation. Yeah. 20 minutes is, you know, like you can definitely like fall asleep, have a little mini dream, wake up again, you know, sure. That's two snoozes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now, now what, what did you give as teacher gifts? What did you do? Well, this year I kind of sucked. Um, I, I like to give, I don't like to give gift cards because I think they're so impersonal in general. I don't like to give gift cards just mm-hmm. as a gift. So I, but I love, love to make gift baskets and bags. It's like my fate. And I always think it'll be like cheaper because I'll get some cute little things. And oh my God, I spend obscene amounts. Yes. But I like to make like a summer themed bag. And then I write like a little card. This is only for elementary because there's just Mm -hmm. one teacher. And then I'll write like, hope your summer is, I got nothing or free of pests. And then I'll put like a bug spray and then like a, you know, that kind of stuff. But this year I even ordered a beach bag because I found one on an Amazon deal and I was going to make something, I was going to do a beach theme, but it just like the one kid is still playing baseball. And now I work later in the evenings and it just was not happening. And I was like, you know what, this year I will send a gift card. Yeah. I think that will be okay. I will. And the teacher will be fine with it. I mean, I, I preferred actually, I mean, I used to get candles like the, it, nobody's business like I would have to live in the dark for like 10 years <laughs> to use all the candles that I got and I actually liked when they got me a gift card especially if it was something that made sense like they just gave me like some rando you know yeah. bed bath and beyond or whatever like that's nice but it was nice like they uh, um not that I'm a Dunkin Donuts person I don't actually like Dunkin Donuts but I I used to have a monthly reward for the kid who had the most tally marks, whatever could come in the morning, one morning and get anything they wanted from Dunkin' Donuts for themselves and a friend. And we would have breakfast together. So when when parents gave me gift cards for that, it was nice because I could use it back for the kids or like 
Barnes and Noble to buy some books or something. Like I liked when it was, you know, yeah. appropriate. You know, never got right, a gift yeah. card for a I liquor have them store. I gift cards as Christmas gifts, so I guess I do. And I, I feel the same way. Like, but also I've always had the benefit of teaching in the same district, so either I know the teacher or I know their mutual friends, so I can ask, like, what mm-hmm. part of town do they live in? What are their? What are they like? Totally into and. So usually I'm, I feel like I give pretty personal ones, but I also, we also gave her a potted plant, like a flower thing. Nice. So I just don't like to just give a card. I feel like something has to go with the card. I don't know. Yeah. The best gift I ever participated in was one of those things, you know, when you get like an idea and you almost regret that you got the idea because it's a great idea, but then you realize you're going to have to actually implement the idea. And yeah, <laughs> so it was one of those. My, my son's first grade teacher was having a baby and I had this idea that I would come in and the kids could use like fabric crayons and I would give them squares and what things they would want to give to a baby And then I would quilt it all together. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I had never made a quilt before. Okay. It it was beautiful. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous. It came out gorgeous. I mean, I have to I have to say it. I like I was almost like, do I have to give this to her? Like, this is really nice. Wanted to keep it. But that was by far the amazing gift. Well, that was I wasn't working. So that's why I was able to do that. If I was working, that never would have happened. But yeah, but it was one of those like, what a great idea. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I'm sitting at the sewing machine and I'm like, I don't know what to do here. But I did it. And it came and and I ran across her like years later and she's like, oh, yeah, we still have it. I'm like, you fucking better have it. Like, that was a lot of work. (laughs) So and then I try to write a note that's like personal and not just a generic, like have a good summer. I try to like write Mm -hmm. something about, you know, what I've heard from. Dylan over the year, you know, something because I know as a Mm -hmm. teacher to me, any gift is what I'm fine because I'll take free stuff anytime. But if it feels like a per like a person specifically like liked this or their kid talked about my class, that was was like so amazing to me. Yeah, that's true. I think it's just nice to know, like, look, some because sometimes you have no communication with parents for so long that you're Mm -hmm. sort of like. Hey, I'm just over here doing stuff, teaching your kids. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on in and say hi. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, send me I know. a nice note, please. Yeah. No, it's, it, and it doesn't really matter what it is. It's just being recognized and especially sending like a personal note and saying, oh, he loved your class. He loved when you read XYZ or whatever it is like that. Having been on the receiving end of that occasionally, it's like, oh, wow. Like I, they actually went home and talked about it, you know, yeah. which is. I think the notes cool. are the like, I would take those over the stuff any day. Like I still yeah. have those in my nightstand. Any personal note is like gold and teacher world. Oh, yeah. I have one I'm staring at right here that like one of my favorite students ever wrote on like, so it's on a Handyman Club of America member <laughs> pad. And she wrote this thing. It's all misspelled and whatever. But she, you know, I was just like, yep, I'm keeping this. It's in a little you know, plastic frame. And there, there it is. And there it'll be. All right. So now that we've talked about like, you know, all the inspiring things, we're going to just bring the show right down to like the level (laughs) of of depression. And uh, oh, can I interrupt you? Of course. This will this will help take it down. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Since our last episode, I finished that show, A Teacher. 
Yeah. I to provide a, some feedback. I have oh. to say, for sure, it's a drama, so it's nothing lighthearted about it. Mm-hmm. But I actually really appreciated how they handled the topic. It was tough, but mm-hmm. I felt like, like where when we did the episode and I was like midway, I had worried that they like the boy, the teenager was doing an awful lot of apologizing for this relationship when things Mm -hmm. were messy or when she was like, we can't tell anybody. And can you hear that? Who is that? It's my husband cleaning the window. Why would you pick this window? (laughs) He wants to watch what you're doing. Oh, he's putting the screens back on. He's done. Okay, Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) So in the, um, so I was sort of feeling kind of, like, eek, I'm a little unsure with how this kid seems to think this whole thing is on him. He did initiate it, but he was mm-hmm. also a teenager. Right. And they do that sort of comes full circle because it pretty early on in the series, like she gets caught and then it jumps to like 10 years later. Well, it jumps ahead and then to 10 years later. And so I appreciated that they the affair wasn't the really the point of the show. It was kind of the fallout, like emotionally mm. for both of them, mm-hmm. which is not an uplifting journey. But I thought really important because just because like a person gets caught, let's say, and goes to jail, I mean, the victim still is left mm-hmm. to deal with it. And it does show how even though he was like 18, well, he was he had turned 18 in the midst of this. So he was a senior but you do, as you watch it, you see it and you look back and you're like, yeah, he was a kid. I mean, yeah. it's almost oh, like yeah. as it gets longer, as it, as they keep jumping ahead, you start to feel like he feels younger to you, which is, of course, accurate because he's a kid. So I would recommend it now that I've seen all of it, but it's right. definitely a downer. Okay. Well, so if you're looking for something well done, but depressing, which yes. we all are at times. I Pretty mean, but, but, depressing you know. deep dive. Yeah, I think you know. that would be a good segue into end of the year reflection <laughs> and a depressing deep dive. Oh, there you go. Okay. So we decided listeners, we decided Miss um, B and I, that it would be great to do a show about your thoughts about this year, the end of the year, and just in general, you know, the, the school year that we've just had. And we said, okay, we'll go out on social media and see what people have to say. And I went out on Reddit and did not say that I was doing this for a podcast because if I do, they would have slapped my hand with their Redditness and said, you can't do that. So I just said, if you had to write one sentence about this year, what would it be? And we got 540 responses to that question. Uh, Now that 540 also includes conversation between people. So I would say we probably got somewhere in the area about 475 distinct comments about this year. Okay. But what we're going to talk about first is an article that I had come across about, well, the title of it is New York Times article. The title is the pandemic crushed teachers after Uvalde, they wonder what more because when I saw this article, I was like, okay, this goes with our depressing topic. So um, we can talk about that. And then we have some more in-depth feedback from some teachers, but also we'll talk about the different comments we got on Reddit as well, because obviously people have things to say and, and they were able to boil it down, which was, uh, which was good. So this article basically goes through 
different teachers and how they were already struggling before the shooting in Uvalde. And now they come to the end of the year and they're thinking about, okay, is it safe for me to be at school? Is it, they talk about one woman saying that she and her husband discussed at night, like, well, something happens to me that he would take care of the kids. And, you know, which is a crazy thing for a teacher to have to talk about. Like, that's the kind of thing you talk about when you're going off to war or when you're, uh, you know, a cop or a fireman or something. But, you know, it was very interesting because they said how now teachers are like, okay, they, they're thinking about arming us and all this. But on the other hand, we can't even pick out like what curriculum and what books we want to teach. Right. So, yeah. So it was uh, definitely an interesting, an interesting article. And it says uh, one teacher, they talked about how even though it was the end of the school year, many of her students, 10 to and 11 years old, still needed instructions for basic tasks, and some were routinely absent altogether. So it seems very much like what we're hearing from teachers in this article, that it's just very, it was a very difficult year. It was difficult for the kids, but it was difficult for teachers to try to even move forward and deal with the pressures of being so far behind and then try to move kids forward who don't know how to go to school anymore or interact anymore. I, yeah. I mean, I think there were any number of times we could have had this conversation of like, when will this be enough for teachers or where, where's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. And I think COVID was hard, but we were all in it together. And it was, so, we, it's like, to me, it felt like a thing I would just have to get through and then it would be over. Like, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I didn't know it was going to go on and on. And then And I know we've talked about this before. I think we came back this year with challenges that we weren't prepared for, didn't know how to deal with. Then the whole political shift of CRT and book banning and parent bill of rights. And that feels like, you know, I'm already literally killing myself trying to pick up the pieces of a pandemic. And now the parents are like against me. And I think the article does a nice job of kind of boiling it down to like, then Uvalde happened and it was like, I'm done for a lot of people. Like yeah. what more already? There are all these things we worry about, but, and I, of course I can only speak for myself. Some amount of it is probably like a nervousness of, could this happen to me? But I think what I'm hearing from friends of mine is that, that uh, exhaustion around nothing ever happening no one listening to us like mm-hmm. this and here now no one's listening to us when it's life or death like you already weren't listening when we told you your kid had to keep reading during covid or mm-hmm. trust us we picked these books for a reason now like you're not even going to listen to us about like our own survival your children's survival you know it feels like what more Well, and it's, it's like, you can't have it both ways. Like on the one, I mean, people want to have it both ways, but you can't have on the one hand, we totally don't respect your professionalism, your professional judgment, but we're going to entrust our kids' lives to you. And it's like, when do you pick and choose? Like, am I good at what I do? Or am I like a total loser? Like, all of a sudden, somebody who feels like I don't know how to do my job, but it's okay for me to suddenly shoot an intruder, which is so ridiculous. I mean, it's beyond, <laughs> you know, we've talked about this, but, you know, it's interesting too, because somebody said like, they are entrusting us with their kids' lives, but they're not entrusting us to choose how to teach. 
And that's where our expertise is, not with, you know, saving kids' lives. I mean, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. All right. So let's get back to our, our topic here. Yeah. So this is my first year not having a summer vacation. And actually, given that I was a student and then went right into teaching and then taught for 17 years, this is like my first summer in my entire life that I've had to just work right on through June, just like nothing fancy is happening. I wrote a Facebook post about it. And a lot of my teacher friends chimed in. The part that they seemed to really connect with was um, now that I'm doing something different, I my point of the post was to say, I do have to go to work next week, but I don't really mind it mm-hmm. because now my job doesn't have that dread and exhaustion that my previous job did. Mm-hmm. And my job during the day is so much slower. Like there's downtime during the day. I get two 15 minute breaks where I actually go outside and walk. Mm. So I feel like eh, I don't mind going to work tomorrow. It's fine. I'm just sort of slow and steady. And so the point of the post was to say, like, don't let anyone gaslight you. You, the end of the year, teacher tired is a real thing because I never wanted to write it when I was a teacher because I felt like my non-teacher friends would be like, wah, wah, you get summers off. All our jobs are stressful to everybody's tired, but that literally you fizz the end of the year, the last week, it's like you are forcing your body to go through emotions. I don't know how you get through it sometimes those, those last few days. The, the last few days are just like, you just sit there going, why, why do we, but, but even if they cut the school year shorter, like instead of 180, if they did 175, it would still be those last five days. It's not <laughs> that it's more days. It's just those last few days where you're not really doing anything. You're just babysitting. The kids don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. It's just enough. And there's only so many you know, like, let's watch a movie, let's play a game that you can come up with before you just want to say, can you just sit here and be quiet? Let's all just be quiet, you know, for the rest of the day. Get your phones out. Just go yeah. and just stare yeah. at Snapchat for a let's, while. Can we have nap well, time? Let's have and nap at time. the end of the year come your end of the year evaluation and elementary teachers in Michigan, at least, get some of their standardized test scores back because now they do online yeah we didn't do that like at the high school we were getting schedules sometimes of what the you know what we were going to teach in the fall and so you really that stuff feels like it's just hitting you at a time when you just can't have any more (laughs) things and I also think maybe that's why Uvalde also felt extra heavy was if ever there is a time when teachers are running out of emotional energy anyway Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people did say, they did comment that they were happy to hear that it isn't just me or I'm not. And several of them commented that the first day or two from break, they would just sleep. They couldn't believe how much they would sleep. Like they could sleep in and then just take, well, obviously those that don't have small children and then just mm-hmm. sleep. You know, I slept 14 hours last night, got up and ate breakfast and went back to bed and slept four more hours. And I really feel like it's because of the last few days, you have to like recover from like a mild trauma almost. Yeah. But the thing is too, like, I think in normal years, it's, it's, 
you know, always like that. But then this yeah. year, I think it was just even more so. Like it, uh, the the friends that I've talked to and also just, you know, some of these comments, I mean, people are just like, I was ready to be done in March. Yeah. You know, and, and then they yeah. have to push themselves. Instead of pushing yourself through the last week, you're pushing yourself through the final quarter. And yeah. that's like nearly impossible. I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, it's, it's just really hard. I mean, I would say that the comment that, we got the most on Reddit was I'm exhausted. Like I, I, I think we got like 30 of I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I, I survived, but you know, I'm, I'm tired. So yeah, it's crazy how much worse it is this year too, because people are just it wiped out. I mean, you taught this year. So, you know, for a part it, of the year. What's funny is it doesn't feel on the one hand, I feel like, oh, yeah, I was just a teacher. I totally get teacher brain. But then on the other hand, I feel like that was a decade ago. And what was that life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird. Mm-hmm. One of the comments that I, because I had taken a few screenshots early on and posted mm-hmm. them on Facebook to try to generate some more comments from other teachers that I knew. And the one I saved, the author wrote, I physically survived, but my mental state will never be the same. Yep. And then a commenter replied, I'm mourning the person I used to be. I will never be the same and not in a good way, which I think is, that's such a sad commentary. I mean, as a parent, you know, I don't want this to be the teachers that my kids love and need. I don't want this to be their June reflection, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And and I, I actually have that one highlighted on here too, because I, you know, it just is so sad. And there was somebody else, I can't find it right now. Uh, oh, I made it through, but at what cost? Mental and physical decline. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, I think that these teachers are so burnt out. And I'm just wondering, you know, I mean, granted, when you come back in September, you're always more re- rejuvenated. You're always like, okay, I have a new class. And I thought about doing something different, changing my room my you know my lesson plans whatever but it's very hard to come back from what was going on this year and and especially if the kids have still not and I'm not talking about like again about content although that makes it difficult too but even just the basics of can they have a group discussion can they um you know do they raise their hands like elementary teachers were telling me that kids were just like getting up and walking out of the room to go to the bathroom. And it's like, you're not home. You can't just leave. Like, you know, <laughs> give me a heads up. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. But and actually one of the comments I thought that was really interesting. Somebody said, no one is okay, but everybody, everyone is acting like they are. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a comment on, you know, and this came up in that times article too, about how, you know, even under, extreme duress teachers go in and they have to put on their happy faces or is it just like everybody is acting that way even when they're not in front of students just like oh yeah it's fine because yeah you know I don't know well the very last paragraph of that article it actually kind of addresses that it describes a teacher Miss Ingram who was just her kindergartners were just doing like a end of the year musical Mm-hmm. And it said, she smiled for her students who were too young to know about Uvalde, but when the music stopped and her job was done, she slipped behind the stage curtains. 
out of sight and as quietly as possible, she wept. Mm -hmm. So I think that definitely that putting on the smiling face and still, especially with those younger kids, I think still being that happy thing in the world and then Mm -hmm. carrying though that weight until you can get a moment to cry or, or whatever rage. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I will say, and this was without a pandemic, but my very first year of teaching um, after the kids left, I just sat down at my desk and started to cry. And one of my colleagues came in and it's like, Oh, are you going to cry? Are you crying? Cause you're going to miss the kids. And I was like, no, I'm crying. Cause I did not think I would make it to today. And here I am, you know, like I'm crying with relief that it's done, you know? So yeah. I, so I'd imagine, you know, after a year like this, it's also pretty bad, but this was another one that was interesting too. I'm so burned out and I am questioning myself if I am even good at it anymore. And just to feel that way of I'm, I might not even be a good teacher anymore. Just, yeah. I mean, how oh, do you yes, get I saved to one that? too, where they said, I've never felt like a worse teacher, but I did what I could to take care of myself and make it through the year. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. sort of where I was at when I left is I started to feel like, yeah, there were all these things. I was a wreck or whatever, but then I felt like I'm not even doing my job well anymore. I just, I started to run out of like any ability to care about like coming up with something to hook the kids or, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I kind of felt myself getting into this, like, whatever, just do that. You can just, they can just do this. Or like Mm -hmm. they'd be working and I'd think like, well, I should probably do stop and do this. And I was like, whatever. (laughs) And so I thought like, yeah, it's time for you to get out. Yeah. (laughs) Now when you can't even bring yourself to like do the job of teaching because I just was just on empty. You know, it's interesting because so many people who aren't in teaching accuse all of us of being like on autopilot, just like, you know, mailing it in. And every teacher who's not that you know, take such pride in not being that, that when you do turn into that, you're like, I gotta go. Like this is, I can't, I can't be like the three teachers or five teachers you can name in your district that, you know, are the ones who just mail it in. It's like, yeah, we're just there for the breaks. Yeah, exactly. Well, now when I say to people who have never been teachers and they say like, what do you think about your new job? I'll say like, oh no, I really like it. But honestly, some days I am a little bored. And like, sometimes there might be like a gap of time where there's like nothing to do. And they look at me like, oh yeah, that's, and I was like, no, I mean like while I'm at work sometimes. (laughs) And so, and then I have been thinking there are not many jobs. I mean, probably areas of the medical profession are similar where you just go, you have to just be on from the, Mm -hmm. and then you walk in the door and kids are talking to you in the hall or they came in early. So sometimes it's not even like, oh, you have a few minutes. I mean, as soon as you walk in that building, you are on. You have to be on until you walk out of that building. The only places I've seen it other than like the medical profession is when I worked on Wall Street, the, the traders and the mm-hmm. floor traders, from the minute that bell rang, they were constantly in motion. Yeah. However, 
they made a shit ton of money. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. they just made three, four, five, ten times what a teacher makes. So, right. you know, so yes, they were on when they were at work, but when they weren't, they were in their second home in at the beach and, you know, or on their yacht or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you were compensated for it. Like, I've never seen a job like teaching where you're constantly on, where you can't take a minute where you, you know, whatever. And, and here, we're going to give you a pittance for what you do. I mean, it's yeah. like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you, sir. May I have another? Like, it's just, <laughs> you know. I know. I'm starting to think maybe I'm actually an introvert. Like, I feel now, like, six months out of the job, like, my brain has finally slowed down. And now I kind of like when things are quiet. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like, at work, I could chat with a colleague but I just don't because I don't have to. So then I think like, I'm going to sit here quietly. (laughs) So I, it's wild. It's just, I never, all I did was teach out of college. That's what I did. And so I never have had any other job and it, I do, I guess my point in bringing this up is for teachers who are listening to, I guess, validate you that what you're feeling. And when you think like, this feels like harder or worse or crazier than what my friends are doing. It is. It is. It isn't like, oh, we're just being big babies. It's an insanely hard job. It it is. I mean, having, you know, again, worked on Wall Street and then becoming a teacher later in life from pretty much the first week of teaching, I said it was way harder. And I used to work, you know, I worked some plenty of 12 hour days when I worked for Morgan Stanley, but it was a different kind of situation because it teaching is hard when you're there. It's hard when you're home because also mm-hmm. you're oh the, those kids are always there. They're always yeah. somewhere in your brain, you know, until the end of the year and even after that too. Some of them and it just never leaves you until you walk away from it for good. Like now, it's like oh there are kids who go to school. Okay, I'm my problem. I know. I think by the summer, because I'm still like going to open houses and checking in on kids on Snapchat. I mean, I still feel like they're a handful of kids that I Mm -hmm. still can't stop thinking about or worrying about, or just feel like I need to make sure. And of course I run into students like everywhere we go, but I was just, my nine-year-old said, you're the most popular person in the family. And I said, well, I just know the most people. That doesn't mean those people like me. <laughs> but I do think, you know, once I'm another few months here out of it, it's then I think it will finally be I like by next fall, like those won't be my kids anymore. You know, it'll be right. a new school year. And right. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a slow process, but it does happen where suddenly you're like, OK, my last class graduated or whatever they're gone. And, and what happens also is with colleagues, like you actually do get to take that step back and say like, you know what? I never liked that person. I just don't have to interact with them on Facebook ever again. Like, you know, you just like, I I just, I don't have to. And parents like, "I, I don't have to. So it's, you get that freedom. It's, it's, it's nice actually. Just a couple more of these comments here from the teacher mental health perspective. And then we've, I've got some, cause I did analyze them being the math teacher that I am. <laughs> um, so one person said my mental well being finally took precedence and I have been on sick leave for three months. I am terrified of returning in September. 
That's, I mean, I'm glad that person did what they needed to do for themselves. Yeah. There was one I saw that said, I stopped wearing my mask in May because I was, would rather have COVID than come mm-hmm. to school every day or something, yep. which I, I did laugh at. And then also I was like, oh, it's a very well, sad commentary. Well, what I thought was interesting too, is when people talked about specifically like where they taught in terms of like grades, the co- most the comments that I saw the most of were for middle school teachers. Oh, that and, makes sense. <laughs> and it does. It hundred percent makes sense. And I, you know, my, the end of my career, I was a middle school teacher and talking to my friends, they're all like, ah, oh, they're awful. And it's just, it's funny. Cause I tutor middle school kids as well. Although, you know, off for the summer for, with that. And yeah, I could just see it being middle school is tricky as it is. But in a situation like this, like it just, yeah, I could just see these kids coming in with like their, you know, AirPods in their ears and their hoods up and just being like, <laughs> what do you want, miss? You know, like they just, yeah. Uh, so my thought- child came home from the last day of seventh grade. They had signed, had a yearbook signing time and mm-hmm. he and his buddies signed all over each other's legs. So he had, and of course, one kid drew like a penis because of course. He's a middle school boy. And I was like, that's, well, someone has drawn that penis on your leg. And he's like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Are you even in middle school? Somebody doesn't draw a penis on your leg. Come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh my God. Was, oh my gosh. But then I was telling the kids at the, I went to an open house yesterday and one of the other high school kids was saying her brother is in middle school and he had his friends draw the penis like on his lower back, like a tramp stamp. And so I was like, oh, on the one hand, like, oh, thank God, it's not just my kid. And then I was like, wait, our, my, your brother and my kid might hang out in the same circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, middle school is just, it's, it's not for the week at all. And all these people are like, you know, God bless middle school teachers. I'm never going back. One, one person responded that they taught high school for eight years and they were fine. And then they moved to middle school and now they're done teaching. I was like, wow, man. Like, I, I you think they just go back to high school. Yeah, I know. Like, okay. Yeah. But you know what? They're probably afraid that those middle schoolers will now move yeah, to the high that's school. True. That's true. You know, when you have a, a kid that you didn't like twice, I mean, I had that when I went from fifth to sixth, there were some kids that I had twice and some of them, it was a pleasure to have twice. Right. But there, there were one or two and I, I'm picturing them right before my very eyes right now. <laughs> and um, it was just like, uh, like I saw my class list and I was just like, really? Oh, come on. Not another year of this one. But it that is just how it worked out, you know? Okay. I have extra love for middle school for two reasons. One, at least in our district, they have the same, the core teachers have the same kids all year. Mm-hmm. And um, I could not fathom. I mean, I know elementary does it, but I like I, the high school, I would never, I'm sure there are academic reasons why it would be great, but I, at the end of the try, I was like, move on. I need a fresh batch. Even if it was the same, I'd have a duplicate kid, like fresh batch, different. So they have the mm-hmm. same kids all year. And they just have to love our kids when our kids are in the grossest phase. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God, middle school kids are so gross. <laughs> and those stinking middle school teachers love them anyway. So, I mean, well, you know what? cheers when to I, middle school teachers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I taught middle school, I was like, it is never, ever boring. And honestly, I mean, I taught fifth before that, which is pretty close 
to middle school and actually in some ways more obnoxious because they were the oldest ones in in the building so they thought they were like all that you know but uh yeah middle middle schoolers are just you know i would just sit there and go it smells like teen spirit teen spirit in here and i just <laughs> go about my day all right so speaking of kids I did actually pull out some comments that had to do with student issues this past year that that Redditors commented on. So one person said there is not a universe where that kid, and they had talked about there's always that kid, there's not a universe where that kid should have been passed on to high school. So again, this is a middle school teacher mm-hmm. talking about this. And that's something that happened before the pandemic. I mean, that was just, you know, that social promotion thing or that, like, we want this kid out of our school, bring him to another building kind of thing. But even now it's, it's harder because the kids are even more behind and yet they're going on to into high school. And then uh, I have, I have here, um, I've never seen sing- single digit final grades before. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I they didn't allow that at my school. Like the lowest you could have, I think, was a 50. Mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, the, if you got a zero, it just got bumped to like a 50. Yeah. You know? So I did see one and maybe it's on your list that said, like, I've I'm tired of making 30 versions of the same assignment. Yes. Because there's so much copying going on. Yes. I have that one, too, that there's so, so much cheating, so much copying going on. I really tried my best, but couldn't get through to 80% of these kids. Let me know how arriving late every day and turning in next to nothing works out in college slash employment, <laughs> which is something we all think all the time, but there's just so much more of it now, yeah. so much more of that, that lack of responsibility, you know? Now, I had an upper elementary teacher tell me that usually at the end of the year, she looks back and feels like, she looks at especially a few specific kids and thinks like she is just like, it's just amazing how far they come in a year. Mm-hmm. And she thinks back to like those first few weeks or especially with behavior, they mature so much, but she said they, they've been sort of ups and downs in terms of like behavior. And she said, you know, of course it was the end of the year too, but she said this year was a year where not that they didn't like learn and grow, but she said it didn't feel as clear she didn't look around and say like, um, you know, you've made these huge milestones. Like she knew they had, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. And in terms of behavior, she said some of the things I was dealing with in the last week or two were the things that we do the first, you know, reminding them of me, you know, getting in line or pushing in their chairs. It's like, we're still doing that mm-hmm. at the end. Now I have to say another high school teacher who had freshmen told me that she felt like by third try, things started to shift. And she felt like she was starting to see the kids sort of re-engaging in some of those activities that she used to always have success with. And they were, they had done like their big Romeo and Juliet essay. And she felt like it started to feel like old times again, like they were clicking, the kids were putting the pieces together. And she said, I almost feel like if we had like one more try. Like she's worried she's going to lose that momentum over the summer, but she said mm-hmm. like, I'm just hoping maybe that's the beginnings of we'll take, you know, a good, good rest over break and maybe they'll come back in the fall and we'll see those kids again that we are used to seeing. The, and I heard the opposite from uh, my middle school friends. They all see, said that the kids 
ultimately got much worse because they had so much standardized testing. Like they had all their standardized tests and then they had in New Jersey, they do like a SGO, it's a, a growth objective. And you have to say, oh, the kids are going to grow X percent or whatever. And you give them a test in the beginning of the year, the middle of the end that you can make up this test. And when we did, but so they, after standardized testing, they take their SGO test and then they also are on iReady. So they take that test. So the kids were just losing their shit, understandably. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. And at the yeah, end of the year. Yeah. And, but it used to be that they were just like fried, but their, but their behavior wasn't bad. They just wouldn't, like you had to just say, okay, we're going to do just fun stuff for the rest of the year because you're not going to learn anything. You're, you're exhausted. So am I. And, you know, that's right. when you did like, you know, your fun projects and, th- and things like that. But my friends were saying this year it was just they just started acting out like instead of just being done, they were just really misbehaving and and carrying on. And and, um, for some reason this year in my old school, they decided to really emphasize the dress code. I don't know if they're trying to bring some like civility back into the school or normalcy, but they decided to really push on the teachers to enforce the dress code. And they said it was like impossible because like you could say every day, like you can't come in with that shirt on, you know, a belly shirt or whatever. And they would do it the next day. Like they just were like, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. So, so. And that's what I was saying in the fall. They, I remember the principal saying these freshmen, they're new to high school and we're calling them in for, you know, but, you know, the teachers told them about dress code two or three times or, you know, having their phones out or whatever. And they're just giving it right back to the principals like they own the place and they've mm-hmm. only been in high school a couple of weeks. So they were like, if this is any indication, and it does sound like it kind of did just continue throughout the year, but I think, you know, nationwide, not necessarily just yeah. our school. Yeah. Just a couple of more of these, these teacher comments and actually a couple were, were, are, you know, comments about the kids. One person said, I lowered my expectations to zero and was still occasionally disappointed. And this person said, I really hope these quarantine kids are able to catch up one day. I did my best, but felt like a shit teacher this year. Some of my kids are so behind. I'm a pray for them and I'm not religious. So, but then we did have like a couple of uplifting remarks here. My kids felt seen and heard, and it showed on the last day when they said they would miss me and meant it. It made me feel seen and heard, too. So at least out of 500 comments. Yeah, there were positive ones mixed in, and I definitely want to acknowledge that there are people that are still, like, especially there were quite a few young teachers that were like, Mm -hmm. it was my first year of teaching. It was hard, but I love it. Can't wait to do it next year. And I am so happy to see that, of course, as a parent and because Mm -hmm. I want those people in our profession, but actually I have a fairly long one from a teacher I know. And her takeaway was also pretty fairly positive. She said the last two years have been stressful on so many levels, but I personally feel that I have been able to adjust my expectations for myself and my students, which is crucial for survival. But I do worry about my colleagues and all my fellow teachers I hate that our profession is driving people away when it can be such a rewarding and important job. I don't worry about the kids as much. They are resilient and handled much of this pandemic better than the adults around them. But I worry about the future of the profession. And we all do. 
Although she also, she went on to say, I remind myself daily that teachers are in demand right now and I'm doing the best I can. And that will have to be enough because in the words of my friend, what are they going to do? Fire me? (laughs) Interestingly enough, I actually know two, two teachers who were, they're not tenured and they were let go. They were not renewed. And I was stunned because you think there's a shortage, like, and, and, you know, I, I don't know them as teachers, so I don't know what, you know, what the issue was. My understanding is at least in one case, it was just not a a good fit with the principal who likes everybody to be happy and yippee and, you know, whatever. It was much a more serious person. But I was I was shocked because that hasn't happened. I haven't heard that happening in years. And now all of a sudden, when there is a shortage, you're going to say, okay, we're going to let this teacher go. Like, it just was kind of weird but that's still happening I mean that's sort of common in my county and now of course that I work for the union Mm, um, mm -hmm. I can tell you definitely some of our bigger districts who are who have who already were running the year way understaffed they're doing the same thing they're pink slipping probationary teachers for silly reasons you know and I feel torn like we still want to have standards but um if ever there was a time to work with people so my neighbors are shooting guns and fireworks. <laughs> and that's so why the, talk. the dogs are losing their minds. And the kids keep coming in trying to tell me, like, we're trying to take them in our room. We're trying to take them downstairs. Aww. And I can hear the gun. And then, then my kid came in and said, now it's fireworks. I was like, of course it is. See, and this is where, you know, like if that happened in my neighborhood where somebody was shooting guns, like I would have hit the deck already and said, like, <laughs> somebody's shooting out there. Oh, my God. Well, I know I'm because of where I am in the house, it's not as loud. But if you are like, we're sometimes just sitting out, we got this stupid new neighbor, two houses down. And yes, like just around dinner time, that's when like, he just gets up the guns and you're yeah. sitting out there on the patio. And then it's like, bam, bam, bam. and I were close enough from the side mm. that I feel like uncomfortable sitting outside because I feel like I trust that you're not going to aim this way, but like, maybe I won't sit on my patio. So it's really ticking me off, but the dogs are losing their minds out there. I think clearly if it happens at dinner time, they are shooting dinner. Like <laughs> yes, that's, obviously. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's, that's what they're doing. I mean, that's they, you know, they're, they're like, oh, there's ducks. Let's go. You know? <sighs> oh, yeah. Gosh. So I apologize for all the. It's okay. Sc- Scotty's going to lose his mind, but you know. I know every time they go off, I'm just like, stop uh, laughing. Oh God. And I'm like two rooms away. (laughs) What are you going to do? This is, it's just part of, part of life here. Anyway, last group of comments here were the comments people made about admin, which was actually not that bad. I was actually very surprised that teachers were just, and I think it's because everybody's just like, so done. They're just like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm done. Like they don't even want to you know, they're not going to complain about admin. A lot of people actually said, you know, they they were in the same boat, but we did have admins had no backbone. My, my favorite actually was my district gate got us 10% off at IHOP. I was like, I'm like, if you're going to do self-care, that's a good, that's a good one. So yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for all these people who, you know, because yes, there were some positive remarks, but as a percentage I'm going to say it was maybe 3% were positive. The rest were pretty much just very, very tired teachers, more so than we are used to seeing. So I'm hoping for 
all your stakes of the ones who didn't say I'm not going back or I retired this year, which were there, there were several of those as well. Um, I hope things get, do get better. I actually, this was my favorite one. I'm happy I survived. And my therapist now owns a yacht. I, I thought that was, I was like, okay, at least you maintained your sense of humor. So, so that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any further comments and you'd like to shoot them our way, just reach out to us on social media and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And thank you to all the Redditors who responded, even though, of course, you had no idea that (laughs) we were going to put these on a podcast. And uh, that's good. Pull the fast one there. Okay. All right. So we are going to move on to um, pop quiz. And actually, Scotty will be joining us for the pop quiz portion because like hearing what he has to say and it gives us something to argue about after we're done recording. So that's always fun. Um, You could do like a mini episode and it would be like the aftermath. Yeah. (laughs) Just you two arguing about. (laughs) I can't believe you said that. I didn't know you felt that way. Forget it. This is all over. I'm leaving. Yeah. 30, 34, almost 34 years down the drain over pop quiz. I mean, over a pop quiz question. Because of, because of cereal. Yeah, exactly. Now we've already had our cereal discussions many times. (laughs) All right. Um, Would you like to, uh, to go first, Miss V? Do you have, do you have one of your, uh, you know, no. would you Today rather? I have no. a different one okay. um, because I saw somebody random on Twitter posted the other day. Were you obsessed with the Titanic or ancient Egypt when you were a kid or are you normal? <laughs> 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 I was like, wait, we were. So one of my kids, he's my now nine-year-old. When he was younger, he was obsessed with, well, first he was obsessed with the Chicago fire. And then the Titanic. And I mean, obsessed. And so I thought that was hilarious. But then I was thinking that I feel like the Titanic and ancient Egypt are is are is the stuff of elementary. And so I wanted to ask if either of you were obsessed with one or the other, or what was the thing you were obsessed with? Like sort of upper L. Like I went through a Holocaust phase and I think an age probably too young to be reading books about the Holocaust. So I definitely was not obsessed with the Titanic. I I actually had to clarify. I still remember clarifying in my mind that my parents did not come here on the Titanic. Like, you know, (laughs) because I knew they came, they were on a different boat and I knew (laughs) they were on a different boat, but somehow I got it all mixed up at some point. Ancient Egypt, I definitely, like, I was very interested in, I wouldn't say ancient Egypt either, because I learned that in Hebrew school. So that made it immediately (laughs) horrifying. So I was really into mythology, though. Like, I loved, like, Greek mythology and all of that. I I loved that. That was, you know, definitely a, a hot thing for me. I will say that like my son was one of those kids who was, it wasn't the Titanic or ancient Egypt. He was obsessed with like Yeti and, and Bigfoot and the yeah. Loch Ness monster and like, and dinosaurs, like all in, like in a, to an incredible That's degree. Cool. But yeah, but I would, I would say it was definitely the, the whole, you know, knowing the different Greek gods and their Roman counterparts and all that stuff was definitely a, a big thing for me. How about you, Scotty? What did, what did well, you... uh, 
of, of the two, I certainly would say that ancient Egypt was a lot more interesting than the Titanic was. And, and you know, I want to, and you mentioned it, my, our son was very into dinosaurs. And I want to say that I was into design dinosaurs too, but at the same time, I'm not sure that it's not just a rub off of my son or something, <laughs> but, but I was into dinosaurs. But at, at a certain age, I was into finding out how things worked. I would, I would take a, a like a, a wind-up alarm clock and break it apart and check it out and see what the gears did and the springs did and all that kind of stuff. So cool. it, it was I was into the mechanical stuff a lot. Still does it. My car is in pieces all over the driveway. It's <laughs> horrible. Here so. are and today is after the show podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Miss V? Um, well, so in fifth grade, we did a unit on the Titanic and we watched this like black and white movie about it that terrified me. I had like Mm. a nightmare. I seemed to believe it was likely that I was going to be on a ship that was going to sink. (laughs) So it definitely was not that. I loved to read. I still do, but I did definitely go through like a historic fiction phase. I mean, I still Mm -hmm. really like historic fiction actually. So probably, I don't know that there was ever any one era, but definitely kind of like early colonist kind of civil war, like historical Mm -hmm. fiction that was like grossly probably whitewashed and fluffed because it was for like upper L, you know, reading. Mm -hmm. I definitely loved that kind of stuff, like civil war. But again, it wasn't like anything in real substance. And then, like I said, also the Holocaust, I did go through, I did read a ton of Holocaust, which is weird that the Titanic traumatized me but I was fascinated by the Holocaust so that I can't explain that one. Although I'm yeah. sure I wasn't reading like terribly graphic things. Yeah. I mean, I do, I did read uh, the diary of Anne Frank like 7,000 times, but that's also, you know, like I, yeah. again, I was picturing my, my parents, you know, in, yeah, in that, sure. you know, so, but well, yeah. I, like number of the stars was around like those, mm-hmm. those types of books that were Holocaust themed, but age right. appropriate were what I was really in love with also horses, but that's a separate topic for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was a kid, I was like, totally all in on like Nancy Drew books. Oh yeah. And I loved those. And they didn't have them at our library because I guess they weren't considered like booky enough to be in the <laughs> library or something. I don't know. But you had to like buy them. And we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. So I remember I had like three of them and I would trade them with people, trade them back and yeah. forth so that oh, yeah. I could read all the different ones. And I I still like I I have like some on my regular bookshelf now, like a couple of Nancy Drew books. Cause I just, I love, we them. have the Nancy Drew cookbook. We do. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, think I that- loved the boxcar children. I read that whole series and loved every one of those books. So you would be, were you the age where, did you read like the babysitters club or were you? Yep. Like- oh my gosh. Yup. <laughs> I, I have the entire not because I read it. I bought it at a garage sale when I was teaching fifth grade and I like have the entire babysitters club collection. Yeah. I, I had that. I started with a spinoff called little sister and mm. I forget whose sister it was based on, but they were thinner books because they were for like the, a lower mm-hmm. age. And I like tore through those. And then I was, and then when I got to whatever, if you were fifth grade or whenever it was, then I read all the Babysitter's Club books. And I did a ton of babysitting, so it was very relevant. You know, if, if, yeah. you, if you want all those books, we'll ship them to you. Yeah. 
<laughs> we have I, them all. I think <laughs> I did, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's so bizarre is that my question also centers on childhood. All right. And and like we did not discuss this before at all. <laughs> but somehow we had that mind meld of like we're gonna like go back and talk about when we were kids, which is it's just kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> So my question is, what was your favorite childhood toy? Oh. And, and the same thing that I was talking about in terms of, of taking things apart and building them, there were two. What, one is Lincoln Logs. Mm. Okay. And the other was there was this, this robot, this big plastic robot with gears and stuff. And the whole idea was to take it apart and put it back together again, which That's was cool. very cool. That Gosh. is cool. I feel like... My parents will listen to this episode, wishful thinking. No. <laughs> and they'll go, how can you Hi, Mom, talk about? Oh, I did have a real serious My Little Ponies collection. Oh, my. And it's funny because I played with them almost exclusively in the bathtub. And so they were in this like plastic. It was like almost like the kind of bag that like um, like a bedspread comes in, like a plastic <laughs> zipper bag. Mm-hmm. And they were all in there. And I would dump them all. They were elaborate, but I had a ton of ponies. I probably played with them outside the tub. I just only remember playing with them in the bathtub and I was in love with them. I was, I had um, definitely had a Barbie or two. I I actually, it wasn't like now, like now kids get girls or boys, whoever has Barbies, they get like a bunch of them. Like they get Mm. like dentist barbie and teacher barbie paleontologist barbie you know whatever it is (laughs) and you know back in the day there was just barbie it wasn't you know like anything other than just barbie and also again going back to you know not having a lot of money so i had a barbie and i had her friend francie or whatever but the the funny thing was that you know barbie clothes were not cheap and you know i think i had like two outfits for this barbie which was so depressing and i went to (laughs) To play with a kid around the corner. Scotty's heard the story already. Uh, to play with a little girl around the corner. And what she showed me was that you could take a sock, like a knee sock, cut the foot off, and then you could turn it into like a tube dress, uh-huh. right? Like I, like a gown. And then you could take the sock part and like the toe and actually turn it into a matching little hat for your Barbie. Well, oh. so this was, you know... <laughs> I had no clothes for my Barbie. I had two dresses. And, you know, despite my begging my mom, I would, she'd say, no, we, you know, don't have the money for that, you know? So I cut up every single pair of knee socks I had. And I made (laughs) all these Barbie dresses. My mother went crazy. Like she was just so mad. She's like, you have no socks to wear. I'm like, yep. You know, I guess you're going to have to buy But Barbie has never looked better. But yeah, Barbie has white, blue, green, (laughs) red, all the colors. And the funny thing was my, you know, my dad came home and of course my mother, she was, she, she would emote pretty loudly, you know? So she's, so she's like screaming about this for like an hour. You know, my brother is like, Chasing you around with a shoe, you know. Probably, yes, with her <laughs> one shoe that she was going to hit me with while she limped along. <laughs> you know, my brother is like hiding in his room, probably getting high and nobody knows. Like, you know, it's just like chaos. And my dad comes home and she and he's like, what's going on? And she explains this and he's like, 
I think that's very creative. So now she's like, just now she takes out the other shoe. Yeah, now she's like, I hate everyone. Chases him around. Yeah, you know, (laughs) he's like Sylvia, just relax, you know. But uh, yeah, so I was, I was big into my Barbie though, and doing, you know, all sorts of, you know, they'd go to a party and you know all that kind of. Stuff. So I like that. I also really liked um, Etch a Sketch. I loved Etch a Sketch. Most of my toys were animal themed because also I had like a little house with those little Sylvanian animals. Mm -hmm. And they were so adorable. They had, speaking of clothes, they had the teeniest little outfits. You didn't really change them out, but in the house, it came with like little like tables with the little drawers actually opened and like teeny little books and things and you could get like the whole raccoon family or the whole beaver family and I had a few of those I do remember those were like the favorite that my dog would chew up so I had one that like had you know lost an arm that was part (laughs) of the storyline and then some like it's headed chomp so there is it was quite a it was a eclectic group at one point, we were into die-cast cars, those little corgi, like corgi oh, yeah. toys, you know? And we'd race them and trade them and do all that kind of stuff. They were fun. My, my brother actually had um, Lionel trains, you know, the... Oh, wow. the oh yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't. He had like four or five trains. Somebody gave them to us, and, and he had um, the tracks and whatever. And what he used to do, and if you're listening, yes, I still remember. I'm sure he's not listening. Um, <laughs> but he used to take my Barbie doll and put it on the tracks. and i'd be like stop he's five years older than i am and i'd be like stop stop he's like barbie's gonna die now it was like somebody needs to rescue barbie and it would like go flying into like you know the corner of the room or whatever yeah poor barbie she went she had struggles in her life she did she was poor she had dresses made out of socks she got hit by trains i mean she's so sad she had a rough life she had a body so that she would just topple over her shoes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. She had right. trouble standing upright. Right. Was that's right. You know, if she, if she landed on her boobs after the train hit her, like she'd be fine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when my husband was little, he had um, a nice new collection of Hot Wheels or a few of those cars yeah, that he yeah. was like so sure that his brother was going to steal. So he buried them in the backyard. So that <laughs> find him. But then he lost them. Like he could never find them again. And he'll oh, say God. every now and then, I wonder if my cars are still there. <laughs> oh. Good Lord. Oh my God. Well, uh. that's what that's what therapists are for. Okay. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, let's close this baby out. Thanks to Max Siskind of Max and Max in the Morning for our intro. And thanks to Elaine Eckert for our artwork. Thank you to Scotty for making us sound fabulous and competent, especially today since my dogs (laughs) barked the entire episode. And thanks to all of you for listening on cue. There they go. If you like what we're doing here on the show, here are two ways you can help us. First, spread the word about our show. Tell your friends, enemies, tell your frenemies. Also, share us on social media and with your teacher and non-teacher friends alike. And please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love to hear from you. You can find us all over social media. Our contact information is in the episode notes. And thank you again for listening. And don't forget to park in your parking space only. 
And please don't forget to make your appointment for your end of year checkout. Yay! <laughs> See ya. See ya.